Welcome to Jar of Encouragement. I'm violinist Mary Young and I'm going to be asking Christian musicians difficult questions. Thanks for listening to the first podcast. I'm actually recording this afterwards, so I know it's going to be amazing. Listen all the way to the end. The first one is Elaine Patience, and she's a violinist um, that I know through playing in some orchestras. And also, we've done quite a lot of improvising together. Um, Yeah, we're in your really pretty house right next to the beach. Um, So would you be able to first tell us um, something about something interesting, which is in your room? And I was thinking... The object on the table. <laughs> I have is... something on my table called um, the Auschwitz violin. It's actually a an Auschwitz violin because there is more than one. But I was um, loaned it actually in January um, to play at a Holocaust memorial event in Eastbourne. Hmm. It was sort of short notice because the violinist had dropped out. And uh, can we I... go and look at it while we're talking? yes? Let's go and have a look at it. So this Ooh. is it here. It's got pretty things on it. Yeah, like it's got a little. Apparently, some of the sort of Jewish instruments had a bit more ornamentation mm. on them. So um, that's like because people can't see. That's the tailpiece, and there's like yeah, and there's what do little. You think that is? These are little pearl mother of pearl inserts. Mm. Um, when I first got the violin, I changed the strings because the strings were needing needing change, and I put my old set. I did a swap with my own violin, and. When I changed, I didn't see that I'd, this had come out. There was a little insert. And the All next right. day, I'm like, oh, no. And we oh. ran upstairs, and I found half of it on the chair, and John found the other bit on the floor. <laughs> so I thought you'd broken it. And... <laughs> I had, no, it was just this little, this, yeah. this um, but I took it to our well-known Luthier in Brighton. Yeah. And it was nice to show her it anyway, and yeah. uh, she checked that everything was, she just uh, slotted that back in. Yeah. So it was just because it'd come loose with changing the string. Oh. But that was okay. good because she made sure it was all hunky-dory for the concert. Cool. Yeah. Um, so sorry, I interrupted you. Not Thank at all. <laughs> Yeah, how did you end up with it? Yeah, so <laughs> basically um, the secretary of the Menuhin School um, brought it to my house because she they are custodians of the violin because... Um, the um, a book has been written about it called The Fiddle, written mm. by Natalie Cumming. Oh, oh, wow. And it's available on Amazon. Yeah. And it tells the story of this violin. Um, she had it repaired in the BBC Repair Shop programme in 2018 because uh, it was her aunt that had this. Oh, wow. At Auschwitz. And her grandfather actually taught the Tsar's children in Russia with this violin. <gasps> oh, wow. That's so, so interesting. the first part of the book talks about Abraham Levinsky's uh, uh, escape and with his family, including little Rosa, all the way from St. Petersburg to Odessa and yeah. their miraculous you know, escape on a boat to England. Oh, but then Rosa... Wait, with this violin? With this <gasps> violin. Oh, my goodness. So the whole part one of the books, in three parts, part one of the book talks about that. Yeah. It's amazing. Rosa grew up and inherited this violin and went to Berlin, was offered a job in an orchestra there. She um, sadly was arrested and 
38, so it was before the start of the war, um, and after a concert. And the part two of the book gives a very harrowing account of her, her time um, mm. in three different camps, including Auschwitz and finishing up in Bergen-Belsen. So Rosa was the owner of this, of and this she had it with her in Auschwitz. She had it with her in Auschwitz. Wow. And she, was, she played in the Auschwitz Orchestra. They had mm. this orchestra. Um, it kind of was her uh, survival ticket mm. in a lot of cases. Um, yeah. But she was very, very determined to survive. And it's very, very sad and very harrowing story. Mm. Very humbling. I have to um, read that. And to, you know, look at this and and think how, how you know, what it witnessed is, you know, is... Yeah. So, but the fact that it survived at all is yeah. a true miracle. It's amazing, yeah. So um, she would have had that with her and performed yeah. with it in yeah. the She had this the orchestra, she performed it with it in the camps. It survived when, I mean, it was... It just is unspeakable that some of the things that happened, but she mm. was so resilient and so determined to survive, to tell mm. her story. And thankfully she did. She, but she only lived another two years because she was very ill um, with what mm. happened. So she, but she came out of the camp. Yeah, she and came then out. And died afterwards. Spent, yeah, but mm. and not until she was able to go to the Newburgh trials and mm. give evidence. Wow. And then her brother got the violin and he played it professionally, but often with bands, you know, they're more uh, sh shigany, you know, the more sort of zigany, you know, uh, style. So yeah. it likes Eastern European style playing. Um, mm. Well, it suits you then, I think. Well, <laughs> it, it likes a bit more. Um, I was told it didn't like Wagner, which I would understand, and Bach, and I thought, well... <laughs> Who told you that? <laughs> Yeah, when they, they, they dropped the violin off. <laughs> but I think they, they were forced, she was forced to play certain music on mm. it. So I think that it was partly due to that. But oh. her dying wish was that this violin should be played. Mm. Um, which is why I think Natalie, um, you know, lives near the Menion School and was in touch with them. And um, they were, have, are still custodians of, of it, but it's... Mm. Is Natalie a relative? Of uh, the... Yes, oh. she is the niece of Oh, the author Rosa. of the book. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So Natalie is the author of the book, and she was at the Holocaust Memorial event, and she was reading portions of her book. Mm. So I actually bought her book there in the interval, and before yeah. I played, actually, and she, she yeah. signed it. So. Wow. <laughs> so, so she didn't know at that point I was about to play the violin. But so it's called The Fiddle, like you the said. The Fiddle by Natalie Natalie Cumming. Cumming. Cool. Yeah. I'll have to read that. It's yeah. really interesting. So you can see how the, it was damaged in the camps. And when it was, when it was um, uh, repaired, uh, they left a bit of it to look, you know. Yeah. They didn't want to sort of, they could have no, get rid covered of it over. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it does look quite battered. Yeah. So they wanted to keep that... Yeah. Um, so you know, I've, I've, you know, I took a photo when it arrived here to make sure yeah. <laughs> to look after it. It's so, a very different size to my own violin, as you can see. That mine's a Hungarian, hmm. but this is made in the Guarneri okay. style. Yeah. So it's all wide and flat, whereas mine's yeah. more bulbous, slower. Um, so, um, I think people might be interested in how did you end up 
getting this like <laughs> I kind of feel to be perfectly honest I think it just found me I, I yeah. kind of felt I just happened to be here at the time um, also I think um, maybe I'm a little older I can connect a little bit more generationally with mm. the Second World War um, my husband who's older still his father was a prisoner of war mm. for five years so oh, okay so, so John it when John heard the story, it reminded him of things. His father, who was Scottish, he was marched from Norway down to Germany, but he had seen some things and it reminded him of some of the things he'd said. So yeah. there was a little connection there. So, to be, it, you know, it's just one of those things that I thought, well, it was meant to be for now anyway. Yeah. So I'm Do you just... have to give it back some point yes they they it, at any point okay. i'm aware i hold it very lightly hmm. so i'm just looking after it and playing it yeah and it did actually get to jerusalem and back with hmm. the dove orchestra in february um, oh yes yeah, so you went to play in israel yeah yeah, yeah so. oh you got to play solo didn't you in uh, yes for the um part of the um hmm. i was just leading this you know a small orchestra and yeah. we were playing music which was very um, sympathetic to, you know, the, the Holocaust and, and yeah. Israel-style music. And mm. um, that that was a powerful thing, actually. I, mm. I was relieved, you know, to get it there and back and yeah. all, all safely yeah. and without any issues. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah and then I was able to play it at... Um, the Dove exhibition in Rochester Cathedral, they have this um, piece ex exhibition where they made these doves and everything. Mm. And I played um, a Prayer for Jewish Life by Bloch mm. um, and uh, well, there and, you know, some other things yeah. I played with a few of us. Cool. And just as people were walking around. So, yeah. Um, wow, that's very exciting. Yeah. It's amazing that you've got that. Like. Yeah, yeah. No, I've been happy to, um, like Brighton College, where I used to teach, they send their lower sixth form to Auschwitz every year. So I contacted them. Mm. So if I've still got it in January, they would love me to come and share it with them. So even if go I don't, I'm sure I can... The Auschwitz thing and... Yeah, not to go there, there not... Oh, okay. But just to oh, take it into yeah. the school. Talk. Yeah, that's so and, interesting. And show the, the students... Um, yeah. tell the story of yeah. that because it's another tangible reminder yeah it's actually like a sound that's like very, it would have been heard during the time almost yes. it's it, a different it's, person playing it but there is a depth to the sound uh, and you're most certainly welcome to try it <laughs> um, which makes people think it's a viola hmm. so it has under my ear, when I first saw, I thought, oh, it's quite woody, but it, it's, it does change after being mm. played a bit more. So you... it's a very different sound. Um, what was that you just played? That was a snippet, just a snippet, of Prayer for Jewish Life. Oh, yeah. Um, it was actually written for cello originally. Oh, right. So I, I couldn't find the violin, it written for violin, so I just took the cello part and put it into the treble player. Oh, okay, so that's a, actually a cello piece. Yeah. I want to play that now. Yeah, <laughs> so I've written it out, so... Oh, cool. <laughs> um, 
if, so, yeah. That it, so, it, so I could, I didn't change the key so that I could mm. use the same piano part and yeah. it works in uh, yeah. D minor. It seems like that kind of music suits your playing really well because you're always very yeah. expressive. I think that's what I like about your playing. Mm. You've got mm. very expressive vibrato and just expressive playing. Mm. Um, I and, think yeah. it was the... I started the violin quite late because mm. uh, my dad was a um, Church of Scotland minister, missionary mm. minister over in Jamaica. Yeah. And my mother was a musician, singer, pianist, organist. Wow. And uh, soprano. And so she used to sing all over the place and play. She was a very good pianist and I always felt I would never be quite as, you know, as that feeling my mum will always be slightly, you know. Mm. I think this part of you as a child, you want to be, uh, have your own identity mm. and not just be a number two, what, do what your parents did. So Yeah, I mean, um, you thought she was so good that you couldn't. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and I used to get very nervous performing, things like that. And then mm. uh, I heard, we came back to live in Scotland and I heard uh, Kung Wa Chung play the Tchaikovsky on telly mm. and I just I was captivated by her sound and mm. and I also was offered the opportunity to learn violin at school so yeah. I was just 11 then Is but that in, I had to um, in Glasgow okay and then my dad got a church in Bells Hill which is in Lanarkshire just outside Glasgow mm. and we found a teacher and someone gave me this violin mm. it was probably slightly too big for me looking back um <laughs> And I started, full size. Yeah, it was full size. <laughs> oh dear. I'm like, I was thinking, yeah, I was only eleven. I'm sure maybe maybe it was a little big. But anyway, I well. started lessons, um, and um, because I was already grade five-ish on the piano. Yeah. Musically, I was like ahead of my technique mm. in the sense uh, it made it meant I was doing grade six when I was fourteen, mm. and then the the deputy, the deputy leader of the Halley, his mother was in my dad's church choir. Mm. And he came up and played, oh, this solo. Um, I, it just, I was totally like, wow. And my parents mm. thought he should hear me just to give me some advice. Mm. So he came and heard me and said, right, you need to change teachers mm. because he could see I was hitting some brick walls yeah. with my bow hold this little thing's my left hand yeah. I was a bit and um so we went from Mrs very nice Mrs Cooper up the road to the head of strings mm. at, at the Royal Scottish Academy we went to his house uh, I think I was 15 and played and he thought about it and he said okay I'll take you on if you uh, give up playing pieces. We do subject studies for six weeks. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I've got to work now. Help, you know. But, yeah, we agreed to do that. Yeah. And that's what I did. And wow. he just, I, I really totally uh, in debt to him. You know, he's not mm. alive now, sadly, but I kept in touch with him. And, and I ended up studying with him. Uh, when I was 17, mm. I auditioned for the Royal Scottish Academy, um, but they took me piano for a study oh. <laughs> that year. Um, I could have done a double, but I didn't think I could handle the 
mm. the pressure. Um, and I um, went in on piano, but had him as my teacher. And then the following year, I had the confidence to re audition mm. and swap round. Oh, wow. Um, so then were you in your first year again? With yeah, violin? I had okay. to repeat first year. Yeah. So I did first year piano for a study and then I did first year violin oh. for a study. But I kept the same teachers. Oh, okay. And so that was amazing because I had a very good piano teacher as well yeah. who was, understood. Was it a three-year course then? Because when I did it, it, it was a four-year course. It was a three-year course. course. Yeah. It, was a, it became a BA from a DIP mm. course because I repeat the... I got into the first BA course, mm. so that was helpful, yeah. a music performance course. And so that was a four year. So because of that, oh. I would have needed extra funding to do a postgraduate because I used up my grant. Mm. <laughs> you know? Oh, okay. So that was where I ended up um, auditioning and coming down to London mm. to, to do the NCOS training orchestra course because I got a bursary for that. Yeah. What's NCOS stand for? Again? National Centre for Orchestral Studies. Oh, yeah. I loved the sound of orchestras mm. and I wanted to do something different. Yeah. I could have stayed to do the postgrad, but quite honestly, it's a bit like a hot house, you know, music colleges, as you will understand. Mm. And although I loved being up there, I loved the course. Mm. I'm very glad I did that course and mm. everything we did, because being slightly smaller than London, mm. I think we had all the advantages without, uh, yeah. but some, yeah, we had some more advantages with it being slightly smaller. So mm. uh, I don't regret that at all. Um, and I moved into a flat. My parents moved to Prestwick. So I was, I had the student experience on yeah. Byers Road. <laughs> and and uh, so that was great. But um, yeah, so, during that time, that was when I, played when I was 20 the National Youth Orchestra of Scotland tour and that's when I met Richard Williamson from mm. the uh, Musicians Network and oh, yeah. he told me about the New English Orchestra mm. so that started that journey. Yeah what's the New English Orchestra? The New English Orchestra <laughs> used to be an orchestra that was run by someone called Nigel Swinford who was a Christian sort of a, a composer and conductor and he used to do concerts playing his music but also doing worship stuff so you'd have mm. a whole orchestra improvising yeah but oh, that so yeah his music that he'd written himself his music oh, that okay. he'd written. and we went to austria i went to austria with them three times wow 1984 80, 83 85 and 87 hmm. and so then play other Martin. stuff apart from his music yes <laughs> Yes, we paid, they played, they would have some worship and they would have times when we wandered around. Mm. Dialing back, um, I was in touch with a Christian community based at Overton House that used to do retreats just in Dumbarton. And that was where I had an experience of baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, some people would recognise that experience when I was 17 before I started music college. Mm. So were you a Christian before this? I was, yeah. yeah mm. I was, but it was, I was searching. Uh, that was, it was at that time in 1979 when a book came out called The Holy Spirit and You by, mm. and Nine O'Clock in the Morning by Dennis and Rita Bennett. Mm. And I read that book and I was just, I was at that stage in my life where I thought, 
I either, am I just going to believe, but it's just on the side, or am mm. I going to, re, you know, give my life to, yeah. to this? And that, that was, it was a sort mm. of, I was wrestling with that. And then I, so I made that decision, and it was through making that decision, I had this powerful experience, with someone called, uh, at a musician's weekend, mm. with Dave Bilborough and... His team came up for this weekend, and it was very creative. And we had workshops. And Those everything. are like Christian, yeah, worship like leader, a, yeah, people, it was like they, a, it was written music, yeah. yeah. And Nick Butterworth spoke. He was a Christian author, wrote children's mm. books, and he was speaking. And I had this really powerful experience during the meeting, and I found myself speaking in tongues, and had to go out the room and just sort of compose. My, I was like, wow, because I had a very gradual conversion with my parents mm. you know it, it wasn't something like oh you know people talk about it um it was over a period of time although probably when I was 10 I had this experience of seeing this group came to my parents church and acted out the crucifixion and they were called Joy Limited. and mm. I remember <laughs> skipping to school saying and they'll know we are Christians by our love so I was drawn I think by into music from a very young age and it, mm. I just loved music I used to put my mum's records on you know mm. Pierre Gint Suite or you know and I used to or the planets and I used mm. to just dance around the room so I, I it it has always been there I mm. suppose with my mother being uh so fond of music as well yeah and a real um musician yeah so it's sort of just grew and grew yeah. through all that time. So, because um, um, you were talking about the orchestra course. Yes. Did, was that, at that time, is that what you wanted to do and you were thinking of yes. doing with your life? Yes, I think I, I wanted to work in music. It, it, I think one of the questions was, what made you... I think with music, it's one of these things where you think, well... There's nothing else I can think I would prefer to do. Mm. <laughs> you know, I just felt drawn. I also discovered that I could improvise. Mm. And so... How did you discover that? I just... I've always loved singing harmonies. And mm. again, it was at Overton House we were there for. And I just found that I could play what I could hear in my head. Mm. And I remember there was a group of us who were all at school together um, and we all sort of made up this piece called Seagulls and stuff and I was doing all these effects and mm. and it just, I think it, it just sort of, it was very organic, it just sort of grew out of who, I, it just sort of happened, mm. you know. What sort of age were you when that was happening? Um, my late teens, 17, 18. Oh, okay. So when when I was I was also very involved in the Christian Union. I ended mm. up leading it for a bit. But I, through learning keyboard harmony, mm. which we had to do, I discovered that I could play any chord. You know, could sit in the piano and on the keyboard, mm. and accompany play all the all the songs we had to do. So mm. we just like, oh yeah, fine. And then that's a base for improvising as well. So it's sort of mm. so if someone else was playing, then I would play the the violin. Um, but it wasn't until I came to London mm. that I would say I found a church where I could actually 
use it. Mm. And that was Ichthys. We, oh, okay. I ended up going to, we were living, I was living in Greenwich. Yeah. And they, we dis, I discovered alongside my friend Jill, who yeah. is in, um, who plays. Um, so we showed a flat mm. after the course. Yeah. Um, oh, so she was on your course. She your was on my course. course. Well. Mm. It's a very intensive course. It was six hours rehearsing every day. We did a concert mm. every week, oh. and we had amazing conductors like George Hurst mm. and um, some quite a few that have still that have oh. now died. Uh, Vernon Hanley, and, you know, and we mm. used to play all sorts of different types of music, and they used to move us around the orchestra. To, okay. Um, so you, did you all get like a chance to lead sections and things? And, yeah, uh, I think to a certain degree. I think they moved as you know. They I think they had one or two who were assigned leaders, mm. and then the rest of us were moved all around. Mm. That's really interesting. So was was that like a whole year? A whole. Because there's nothing was, really like that now, is yeah. there? Um, that particular course had come after the BBC Training Orchestra course. Mm. Um, and it was run by someone called Basil Tchaikov. Mm. Um, and I think it kept going up until the early 90s. So I'm not sure if there may mm. well be something similar. Yeah, there was maybe. the um, Sinfonia Chamber or, uh, course at Manchester, the Royal Northern, mm. because I could have gone there because I auditioned for that as well. Oh, okay. But by then I'd made the decision that London mm. was where I was meant to be. <laughs> and so Sorry. that's where I eventually met John. Oh, your husband? Yeah. Yeah, husband. <laughs> um, um, and Graham Kendrick came, was, uh, came in 1985, I think, yes, to Ichthys. He moved to Ichthys. And he's he, a Christian yeah, worship singer, leader. Yeah, singer-songwriter, well worship leader. Yeah. And he started using myself and sometimes Jill as well, because mm. we, being a viola player, we... Yeah. Um, so were there just a you two string players there at that time? There were some others as well. Mm. So I ended up being uh, the person that put people, assigned people each week, because mm. we had flautists and, you oh, know, okay. so I would oh, wow. just try and match people. In, uh, it, I think it was an era, the early 80s, mm. where the sort of free type worship mm. was really emerging, yeah. more mainstream, it was becoming more mainstream. Mm. And there were more opportunities, maybe even more at that stage. I think mm. it trimmed down a little bit after yeah. that with the more electronic yeah. input yeah. because it's a very different sound. Mm. Oh, it, so were you all, was everyone playing acoustic instruments then? Yeah, well, we'd be playing acoustic <laughs> into a microphone. Yeah, but yeah. Were, were the guitarists, I mean, I'm assuming there was a guitarist. Yeah, there. the guitarists, you'd be playing <laughs> with guitarists, but they would be, they, so they'd be all... Um, Amplified. Amplified. Oh, okay. So they were amplified. But yeah. we would just yeah. be playing into a microphone yeah. because at that point there, it, there wasn't as many um, pickups. Pickups. And yeah. And, you know, it was it was still mm. quite early days yeah. in in that. Um, but that coincided when I was auditioning for orchestras, and um, I was asked to go and play in an orchestra in, at very short notice in Italy. Mm. It was through my course, of, but I'd just moved into the flat with Jill. <laughs> we just and being Scottish you know I was out my area and I thought well if I go off now it just didn't feel right at all and I would have lost my connection with being in mm. London and the church and and I would have been very much on my own I just didn't feel 
it was the right thing. So oh, so was this like an down. orchestral job in yeah. the country? Yeah, okay. yeah, when I finished the course. Mm. So I persevered until me. It was, you know, it, it just took a while um, being out. It wasn't the, the easiest time, you know, mm. in my life when you're trying to work out what you're meant to be doing with your life. Mm. And you're sort of... Yeah. So it, it took a little while and perseverance and just going out and playing and praying, you know, and there were, there were opportunities to... Yeah, I was just trusting that God would... Yeah, things would become a bit mm. clearer <laughs> and easier, but it's not easy mm. break, making it, you know, making it out there and dealing with all that. I think it, what really helped me was just knowing God's presence, you know, and knowing that I, that in a sense, we're not meant to be competing mm. in life, that th there is a role for us and our sound in where we are and what we're doing, and mm. just to trust that that will come yeah. together. Yeah, so, yeah, I was, I was going to yeah. ask, like, do you think it's a worthwhile thing to pursue, like, music being a musician in whatever way, like lots of us will be teaching as well, yeah. but performing, is it yeah. a worthwhile thing to do? Like, or should we do something more useful? Should we become a doctor? I know, <laughs> like, I know exactly what you think. What do you think? No, I, I'm, I was reminded there of playing at a conference with, in Canterbury. It was like a Church of England conference with mm. Graeme Kendrick leading. And this African man came up to me he had just come over from Africa and they'd brought him over and mm. he, he'd not been in the UK before. And he came mm. up to me and said, you know, do you... He said, oh, yes, he played the violin. And he said, do you teach it? I said, mm. yes. He said, you must pass it on. You mm. must teach it. So it was like... That really inspired me, actually. I mm. just thought I... It encouraged me that... Of the value of teaching as well. Yeah. You know, that it's not... Because although I love playing, so I, I wanted to balance both. So mm. there's the balance. I think if you play and enjoy playing, that comes out in your teaching. Mm. And then if you're, yeah. So I think one, mm. it, it's a, it's a, it's a good balance to have, like teaching, yeah. playing, playing, teaching. Yeah. Um, and Did also I'm encouraged by thinking about my mum and how how important music was to her because she mm. had mental health issues. She was bipolar and mm. through music spoke to her and helped her, you know, so much. And, mm. and I, I, I don't tend to like to divide. I don't feel there's such a thing called Christian music mm. and secular music. I mm. feel music is music. Yeah. Um, just like when you say medicine, there... Mm. You have a doctor, whether they're a Christian or or not, it's, they're still a doctor, you know. Mm. So yeah, um, so I feel that with music, that the gift is from God, whether people know it's from God. Mm. <laughs> like take Mozart for instance, yeah. you know, it that you can just see that mm. it was a gift, you know, and you see yeah. artists, and mm. you know the temple. When you look at in the Bible, you know, when they built the temple and what was required for that and all the musicians and Jericho and, you know, mm. it's all through the Bible, isn't it? Yeah. Music and art. You said the, the music really helped your mum. Like, yeah. Could, is there anything, like, more detail that you could give about how did it help her? Did it 
change her mood or like <laughs> yes yes she she could spend all day listening she often had classical fm or radio three the, the whole time hmm. um she also as a singer she was asked to um she was converted to billy graham coming to glasgow back hmm. in the 50s and she was asked to play someone called um, Tom Allen, asked her to be the soloist. It was a sort of different thing then. But mm. she felt called to be a nurse because she felt called to go out to the mission field. And in those days, that was how, what you had to do to train. But, yeah. but in saying that, God still used, she ended up using singing, playing, Mm. as much as being a nurse mm. anyway um she so i think, think it would just define her whole life yeah. you know do you think it helped so it helped her actually being a musician yes. actually helped her and yes actually playing music yeah yeah helped her. It, it perhaps just took her to another place it helped her um i used to when i was a child i loved musicals you know watching films on musicals Mm. And I used to imagine that my life was like a musical, you know. <laughs> there was just, you know, when the power, if you watch a film, mm. the, if you watch that film without any music, mm. it would be completely different. Yeah. It would have a different feel about yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. So music does change one's mm. mood. It, yeah. The major keys, the minor mm. keys. Um, yeah. It, when you said minor, you know, the, a lot of the more Jewish style, you know, they like their minors. Mm. And the, the minor keys do work really well on strings. It's mm. just that minor third just does. Yeah. But it, it's fascinating how the major and minor keys work together. And, and that's just our, you know, notation that we, you know, you've got so many different ways and sounds around mm. the world, don't we? Yeah. Um, actually, yeah, it's really it's interesting what you said about your your mum and how it helped her because I was yeah. thinking you might yeah. say that, I don't know, yeah, she got really stressed and then she listened to mm -hmm. music and it helped her. Mm. But actually it seemed more like you were saying being part of playing yeah. music and things yeah. helped her. So I guess that's another encouragement for teaching and passing it on, yes. isn't it? Yes, Yeah. Well, definitely. Do you know what the name of this podcast is? Have I told you about that? No. <laughs> oh, well, it's called Jar of Encouragement. Oh, lovely. Did I tell you about this, why it's called that? No. Yeah. Oh, because I've got an actual jar. Okay. Um, so I had a, like, I was feeling a bit discouraged, like, a year ago about, yeah. like, you know, is it a worthwhile thing that I'm doing with my life? Yeah. And I had yeah. a, I, I played in a prayer meeting that I hadn't done this for ages. Yeah. And loads of people gave loads of really encouraging things, yeah. and they were very specific like, yeah. it's really nice when someone says that I was beautiful, yeah. but um, these things were really, really specific. Yeah. Um, and I had a dream, and I thought um, that it was about making a jar and putting these encouragements oh, in there. Okay. So, do you want to see the got... jar? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll show you. Maybe yeah. I'll open it and see. You could choose yeah. a random thing from here, yeah. and then we'll go back <laughs> to the conversation. So, these are all things, like, I put them in there after this prayer meeting, but yeah. then I've continued and then also I put some things that I remembered from a long yeah. time ago oh lovely and maybe you can, you can choose one <laughs> and I'll see if I can remember what it was oh well, this was from the other day okay it was a prayer meeting at church and, and a, a lady at the end just said 
when you played while we were praying, it was like God was singing over us. That's lovely. That, yeah. is, that is totally, yeah. One of your questions was um, uh, a particular experience that I remember that I found moving and, and mm. one of them included when you were there was oh, back yeah. in Bradwell. I'm quite good on dates. Um, okay. It was August 17 because wow. um, my son Scott came because he couldn't, he was away the following year, you know. Mm. He, oh yeah, I remember seeing him in the audience. It was just before he went to Bethel yeah. to do, he just was just finishing. Um, so he recorded it. Oh and, uh, yeah. So I've, um, I just, we to start the evening, because we were playing a variety of pieces, weren't we? Mm. And David said, right, at the beginning, just start mm. to play, just play. Mm. And so we stood at the back. Yeah. And so I kicked off and I started and this sound, it was like, I just felt this, felt this sound, mm. this like deep sound. I can hear it in my head now. There was no instruction about key or anything. Yeah, and this was in a little, little tiny chapel, wasn't it? Yep. Um, that was, Ancient chapel yeah. at Bradwell and Sea. Yeah. I think there was something about the chapel actually mm. and its history. Yeah. And there was uh, something that came from somewhere, mm. from you know, um, and this melody came out. Mm. This melody came out. Um, which doesn't always happen as mm. clearly as that, but it was just, I felt compelled to play. There was, this came, so this feeling came over me, which was so tangible at the mm. time. Just felt, I have to play. It was just like, whoa, this, this God's, this is his heart. This is, he's singing this, mm. this tune he's singing out. Mm. And then gradually you, you developed it, and Jill came in with a viola, and then there was um, Anna on her cello, you know, and then there was um, Pete on the yeah. keyboard. Yeah. And when I listened back, it miraculously, we all, you know, for us to be able to be on the same key at the same time and mm -hmm. go move in the same direction mm -hmm. is very quite unique. You don't yeah. always have that in such a powerful way, and, and that I yeah. found it very. I was very moved just mm. being there. No, I was very moved by that. And and yeah, it did really feel like we were playing something together. Yeah. If, with no planning or preparation. Yeah. Because I do remember you were playing and then I sort of merged in yeah. with you. Just yeah. like, yeah. obviously that doesn't da, 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 happen da, da, da. I can still sometimes. hear what you played as well. I can, da, 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 da. I can still hear it. Yeah. <laughs> wow, you've got a good memory. <laughs> <laughs> I did hear it again recently, mm -hmm. but, um, and then it's funny because Dave, David got up thinking we, we'd finished, mm. but we hadn't. <laughs> so we got up and it was suddenly, <gasps> but then it moved on mm. to another, you know, and it just even more with more intensity.
sometimes I feel when I'm playing, like sometimes it's really powerful, like, yeah. like you just said, but other times I yeah. feel like it's just a noise and what comes to mind is like a clanging gong that always <laughs> comes into my head and I feel like I'm just like a clanging gong. Sometimes yeah. um, it feels like that. I think it's yeah. when my heart's not in it. But do you yeah. ever have times like that as well? And Yeah, it's, it's not always... You know, there have been times I've played when I felt really tired or um, I think you're sometimes affected by the different groups you play with, mm. you know. I, I so feed off other musicians mm. and there there is a phrase that I love using which is called serve the sound. Oh. Serve the sound. Okay. Um, Explain that a bit more. <laughs> serve the sound is where you're blending with the people that you're playing. So your sound or the singer, so that my heart is when I'm playing worship, but it's, I'm not diverted. Because the violin mm. can be sometimes, you hear, I love doing harmonies, of course. Mm. Um, sometimes with the violin, it's, it's, it's working out when you're playing high and when you're playing low. Mm. And that can very hugely depending on whether you've got a bass guitarist or what, mm. what guitarist you've got there what singers who's playing who's mm. singing so there's so many f facets to think about as well mm. as just trust you know yeah um so you'll talk just to clarify for anyone listening you're now kind of talking about if you're playing with a band yes in a, if like, i'm playing worship, with, with well, it a doesn't band have to even be worship i guess but uh, i did meet someone uh, friends who were around last week in their church their worship leader says, oh, he doesn't like violins. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, how could he not oh. like violins? <laughs> then I'm thinking, maybe their experience of having a violinist yeah. wasn't as positive because maybe mm. the violinist wasn't as sensitive as they could have been or mm. didn't serve the sound. Yeah, I think you it's know? possibly a bit scary sometimes for worship leaders if they yes. don't have experience or if they've had That's a bad it. experience because as of... As a violinist, there's not usually anything set for us to play. That's but it. If you're a bass player, there's generally, yeah. you know what the bass line's going to be. Yeah. Um, there's quite a lot of electric guitar lines yeah. that they might try and learn. But yeah. So it's like an unknown quantity. It's an unknown <laughs> quantity. And it just takes time and experience to, I suppose, learn what you might play in one band is not what you play in another, mm. even with the same song. Mm. Uh, it depends. I mean, I, I do remember... When I used to play with Graham, I would hear, it was like I would hear a part and I would unconsciously play it every time um, we mm. sang that song. You mean you just had this thing that yeah, you've played? Yeah, I would have just, a groove in my head. Yeah. Um, and as, yeah, I, I've, I've noticed that sometimes I can feel or hear something. Mm. Um, I think there was a time at our church where they didn't use strings mm. or other instruments yeah. for a while it was a bit frustrating mm. so I would be in the worship and I could hear in my head mm. and and I'd feel oh, yeah, you play. Mm -hmm. and then and then I felt okay Lord you can hear that all right so I, I'll worship that in my head mm. to you so even though I'm not yeah. wow. playing even though they've not got instruments you know my heart that that's mm. what how I would yeah that's um, a very good attitude. Yeah. <laughs> well <laughs> done. Time. So, yeah, I was just trying to process 
And I think, as you say, you're right, worship because they don't, I think that's where having a good relationship with the worship leader mm. so that they know you. Mm. Um, so at the church I was part of till we moved, there was a particular band I played with because this worship leader knows how I work and mm. he writes songs as well. So that, you know, I, I could fit in with mm. with what he was doing. Yeah. Because I can understand a bit more why some worship leaders, because we can be a little bit unpredictable, mm. <laughs> um, they feel a wee bit unsafe yeah. with what we might do because we could potentially divert in yeah. a direction. So it, it very much Yeah, you can you can really lead these, yeah. can't you? Yeah. 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 <laughs> if you wanted to. Yeah. No, because the violin is quite a powerful it instrument. Is, yeah. I mean um and it's nice having the also whether they've got a bass guitar I mean if there's not a bass guitar then I, I tend to go more lower because I'm thinking mm. they, they could do with some lower sounds. Mm, that's interesting. Um, but if a bass is there, we don't want to clash with the bass guitar. Mm. If they have two guitars, that's even harder because mm. you have to... Or if they've got two singers. Because I think before I we moved my last church, they were bringing in more singers. There was mm. sort of... we, we mm. Yeah, more singers were starting. Yeah, and actually, the more it? singers, actually, it's a little bit... Because you have to yeah. find your your takes space. out the middle area That's for it. you to play in. Yeah. That's it. Whereas mm. when you you know one of the things the advantage of strings, I, you know, as you will love the sound of string. Any mm. song, any Christian songs, if they ha if they bring in strings, mm. it adds mm -hmm. such a lot. Yeah. I mean, and you think, oh, they've got strings, and the the difference between having live, you know, proper strings and not electronic strings is enormous. Mm. You know. Yeah. Um, so, so it does add an, an yeah. intensity to the sound. So you okay. you're saying serve the sounds. Yeah. You're basically trying to yeah decide what to do in the situation depending on what musicians are there yeah. and yeah not trying to yeah you're just trying to play as a group aren't you yeah like unity and yeah helping the worship leader yeah following their yeah lead and it's <laughs> hearing you know I think with the string you can do things. That like fills or play at different times, you know, mm. bringing in a different. Yeah, what do, what do you mean by fills? Because some people, there might be mm. some classical musicians that don't ever improvise. And I, I do know someone, um, yeah, someone at my church actually that's a really, really good violinist was at college yeah. with me. Yeah. She now improvises all the time, but when she first joined our yeah. church, yeah, um, it was suggested that she play. She said, oh, she can't improvise, which she can now, but yeah. yeah so yeah. what do you mean by fills and what other things? Fills you is like in between, so they can be mm. little. Like, rather than, because often you see a loud band, band there, mm. and I've watched even the Bethel bands, mm. and I'm thinking, you see the violin, mm. and you can't <laughs> hear a thing they're playing. Yeah. And you kind of feel, actually, you'd be better not playing there, mm. but playing at this point. So mm. there can be little, I suppose it happens more in the jazz world, mm. you know, um, where you can hear little counter melodies mm. or a little chord or I use quite often I quite like I love using open strings and harmonics mm. now because mm. that breaks that cuts through a little mm. bit more um I, I find I'm using depending what key we're in obviously um and I use drones sometimes like mm. the open you know again depending on yeah. the style or whatever we're playing yeah. so it's just um but sometimes I'll hear a little melody in between mm. you know 
Like when there's less going yes, on? Yes, when there's less maybe going on. Not um, singing or something. But again, trying not to divert, but everything mm. needs to serve the, not just serve the sound, but serve the singer, serve the song. Mm, yeah. <laughs> serve the song. And the congregation. And the mm. congregation. Um, to, because what you want, you're, you're bringing, you know, um, you, you're, you're enhancing, hopefully, the mm. song. And then there will be times, at other time, when you can extemporise and, and go off and, mm. you what, know, there are other opportunities. Yeah, what sort of times have you done that in, like, or, so apart from when you're just playing a song, yeah. have there been other times that you've been playing the violin in worship setting? Yes, different? yes, there, there has, where you're just, you know, people will just... Um, be meditating or you know praying mm. and, and the music's going on in the background and you're just yeah going on in the mat and I have been in situations where we've walked around and played behind people mm. and and that's a powerful mm. uh, tool um, as well you know just because it's like people are immersed in in sound mm. and um, just yeah. being reminded of David and the, you know, the harp mm. and Elijah with that, you know. Do you want to explain those things in case yes. anyone doesn't know? <laughs> That's an ins another inspiration that mm. David played the harp for Saul mm. and he was depressed and the evil spirit left. So David in the Bible. In the yeah. Bible. He played, <laughs> yes, exactly. David in the Bible and Elisha called a harp harpist and he, or a musician. And uh, so there are... Um, you know, the, these are really encouraging mm. uh, stories to read and mm. to see how music can be used to, you know, help people out of depression, mm. out of sadness. Um, yeah. And to, yeah, just to identify with or, mm. or help process you know you can listen to music and help process what you're thinking what you're praying mm. and yeah um, I think music and worship has, has definitely helped me personally um not not necessarily I mean lots of ways in playing violin but yeah but um the ones I'm thinking of have actually just been when I've been worshiping God on my own yeah and there's been quite a few times when my mind has actually been changed I've just yeah. been worshiping and then it's changed so I guess we can also be yeah. serving that kind of situation. Yeah. yeah. Helping people. And, yeah. No, yeah. definitely. So, um, yeah, was there anything else that you wanted to say on that subject of worship and um, things like that before I ask you about something else or, um, or improvising or...? Yeah, no, I think it's very much that um, it's... We are worshippers rather mm. than being, you know, God wants... It, it comes out of who we are, mm. and it's really important to. There is there is not one formula. Mm. That was a thing. There's not. Mm. There's also not one formula of how you play because mm. we are all different, have different um, abilities, capacities, um, process things differently, mm. and we're all unique, and that's mm. really important, and that brings yeah. variety. Mm. And it's also why we all play different instruments as well, because mm. <laughs> <laughs> we all played the same. Um, and that, you know, is thinking of the orchestra. 
you know, it's just a more when you think about it, I think, wow, you know, all these different instruments all playing together and working together, um, that we're all drawn to different sounds, mm. you know. So just to trust that we'll go we'll use us as we are and um yeah. Mm. he'll develop what he wants to develop in us yeah thanks um yeah so i was going to ask you i don't know if you knew i was going to ask you this but um because quite a lot of people uh particularly i think younger musicians that are just maybe finishing music college and wondering what they're going to do they ask me am i happy with what i'm doing yeah um or you know am i happy with how things have gone in my life, like yeah. career-wise and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, so I was wondering about asking you that. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good question, mm-hmm. yeah. And maybe you can explain what you do as yeah, well. Yeah, what I moment, do. What... <laughs> well, at the moment, um, since I moved back, so I'm going, th- I've been dealing with, uh, when you were saying, struggling a little bit with what I'm meant to be doing now mm. because I had to give up like three schools just like that mm. to move back here mm. um but I've been very busy being a grandmother because mm. I've got two young <laughs> grandkiddos yeah um the youngest is 10 months old and my daughter lives like a mile up the road All right. so as you can imagine I'm very handy mm. to be near <laughs> um, but that's been a real privilege yeah but I have missed the structure of getting up and going out and mm going to traveling to different places mm. um at times but mm. I feel you know it's just it's a time and season so I'm just mm. at that sort of I've so I I have some a few private pupils that come but mm. I've, I've still to properly I, I've almost not had time to properly advertise part of mm. me is like I'd like some more pupils but I don't want too many pupils you know? yeah <laughs> just uh, I yeah. don't want I don't want Adele you yeah. just want enough to handle yeah but I I feel oh yes I'd like to um I've also moved out of areas playing why I love uh, you know there's things starting to to mm. pick up so uh, you know I used to years ago um when I did auditions I um because I went through that whole audition phase mm. when I was still sharing a flat with Joe yeah. I used to get so nervous there was just something about because this is another interesting thing if I played in an orchestral like an audition Mm. because I was being judged there's something when you're performing Mm. you're you're giving out Mm. music you're you're but when you're um being in an orchestra you're you're actually being assessed Mm. and I found that very difficult I didn't yeah. like being put on the spot it's like that stressful isn't it um and I, I still remember some <laughs> where, where nerves affect you in ways that your body can't quite control mm. but I just had to trust that God would open the right door so even then mm. I had to put myself through getting out there and playing to people but just trusting mm. that the right door and then looking back he he did, you know that that did work, you know, mm. and I, I did do some interesting things, and I did, um, and the you know one or two auditions did go fine, mm. but I just had to trust that 
the right, the door would open and that would mm. be where I'm meant to be. And when I look back now, I'm thinking, well, if I'd stayed in Manchester or if I'd stayed, if I'd gone somewhere else or gone abroad, mm. I wouldn't have met John, I wouldn't have had the mm. kids, I wouldn't have been, you know. So you, you see sort of decisions or mm. I wouldn't have been here or, you know, yeah. and you think, oh, well, that's interesting. Mm. So, yeah, um, but that I did notice that, and I I do find like I never feel nervous when I'm in. I have tried to put that into when I've led some orchestras, and you know, you mm. just to have that feeling of how I feel when I'm in worship. Mm. Yeah, um, like when I'm playing the Messiah, or if we're doing mm. a choral society, some you know, and I remember once doing for a requiem mm. and being. I think it was because it was some called Shinley Barrett was singing a Christian um, baritone. Oh, the um, one of the movements, uh, uh, um, was so, I was moved to tears. I was playing, <laughs> my gosh. Oh, wow. So I've had, there have been some, t- you know, uh, oh. concerts that I've done that have been out, you know, I've mm. really felt God's yeah. been in. So you, you're saying yeah. you're kind of trying, trying to, to worship that. while you're playing yes. classical yes. music. Whatever you know. I'm playing, mm. whatever to have that. Um, I know that uh, one or two pupils, you may have had it, where where they say, "Oh, I, I don't like playing to people," mm. and I say, "Well." Can you imagine, that's what music's for. We're meant to share. Mm. We're meant to, that's why we do it, is mm. to, you're, you're helping other people. Mm. Can you imagine if none of us played to anyone mm-hmm. and w- no one would ever hear music? So, you know, so just to get that philosophy in the, that we, we're learning mm. to help to bless others. Mm. That's why we do it. So to get that serving mentality so that we're not just doing it for ourselves but you know it's like we're being used mm. to see to see it that way to, to bless other people mm. do you ever um struggle with music being more important than god in your life and like uh i think thankfully i think meeting john has helped ground me that mm. way um because I realised quite early on mm. that, and I could see this with other musicians, mm. that you either live for music or mm. music, li- you, you either, you have a life or you don't mm. have life. So either music fits into your life mm. or you try and fit life into music. Mm. And I think meeting John, who wasn't a full-time musician, mm. wasn't a musician, in fact. Yeah. And I was part of a diary agency at that time. And, mm. and I would felt compelled to play here and play there. Mm. And then he was away. He would work abroad mm. every month and he'd come back for a month. So when he was away, I felt I could do as much as I mm. wanted. But when he came back, mm. I resented going off and yeah. playing. And, and I'm thinking, hmm, this is interesting. So I left the diary and I thought, right, I'm, I'm going to choose what I'm going to play and I suppose Mm. for me then having a family that was the next thing Mm. was 
that I had these other call, you know, responsibilities. So mm. although I really, you know, and I've observed this with musicians, they, they're not always, you know, they're, their lives can be all over the place mm. and relationships break down, marriages yeah. don't last. Um, mm. And, you know, it, it's, not, it, it's, it's not an easy uh, mm. life, that's for sure. Yeah. And it's, people think it could be glamorous, all the traveling, but actually there's a lot of pressure and a lot of stress. Mm. Um, and I was reminded a bit of it the last couple of years when I played for this ballet company. And mm. I love ballet mm. um, and I've always I loved playing with ballet. I had the mm. opportunity to do a tour years ago with Giselle. And What's Giselle? Uh, it's a ballet, it's a Giselle, it's G-I-S-C-L-L-E. It's a, like a, it's a, it's a, you know, how you get Swan Lake or mm. you oh, okay. also have Giselle, which... Oh, like, that's an actual ballet. Yes, okay, it's an right. actual ballet. Yeah. <laughs> it does seven-week tour around the UK yeah, of okay. it. And um, what's nice about playing for ballet is that the music is... A, if you're playing for an opera, you're accompanying a singer. Mm. And it's all, it can be a bit bitty, mm. very powerful. I've played mm. for opera, but ballet's more flow, it flows. So you're not yeah. like playing a song stopping. Mm. It's like mm. it, it's, you, you, you're telling a story with the mm. music, which the dancer is, um, is showing, you know, mm. is, is representing. And um, it was uh, someone at my last church called Julia, who's a professional dancer, who started this company and got funding to mm. to do this uh, story about the secret garden. Mm. And she got a composer from Liverpool who set the score. Yeah. And the live musicians was a violin and mm. a flute. Yeah. And, uh, and you so were the violinist. I was the violinist. <laughs> 221 uh, we did the first summer and uh, I had to play two pieces from memory mm. on <laughs> stage um, I'd had a bad experience years ago memorising because mm. um, I can memorise but it's just all you need in, is a, ever having a memory slip and then you see mm. you, and I, it showed me actually I thought no that's um, I'll learn it so I can't have a memory slip. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I think last year uh, when I I did it again, part of it, they used another violinist because mm. I couldn't make the first yeah. rehearsal. So we split it between, mm. which actually worked out because they had quite mm. a lot of performances. Yeah. Did that work? Did you manage to learn it so you couldn't have a memory slip? Yeah, mm. yeah. <laughs> but I felt more last year, it was like, I needed to learn it in a way that I could play it in my sleep and not think mm. about it. Because, yeah. you know, when you memorise, you, you, uh, if it's usually when you think about it that mm. it's, you have to yeah. sort of not think about it. Yeah. But just, yeah. Um, but it was just dealing with the whole, you know, nerves. Mm. Um, and yeah. so the more you do it, the easier, you know, because yeah. you can't remain nervous the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. So did you say it was six performances over? Yeah, yeah, they had over, um, well, in 21, there was quite a few, like 10 okay. or 12. Over, yeah. like, a couple of months? Yes, yeah. yes, it was from 
June through to August mm. um, with the rehearsals in May. Mm. Um, last year it was, I, I did just a couple in June, few in August, uh, a few in July and then mm. more in August because yeah. the other violinists couldn't do August. So I did the last few mm. shows. Um, and then you're on a roll there and think, oh, I can kick down. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> then it just reminds you sort of, and I just thought, well, I'll try it the other day. I thought I'll try, and I did remember it even mm. now, and I'm playing it for for months because it's just yeah. like. And um, they're doing a different ballet this year. They're doing Florence oh, okay. Nightingale. Cool. I'm going to see them on Thursday, oh. uh, Sunday, <laughs> in Brighton at yeah. the BOAT, and they've got a live cellist this year. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, um, so it's doing something similar. Um, so how yeah how did you find um, doing that amount of traveling and like because um, yeah because you were saying uh, you're going yeah. away and stuff and your husband's here I guess <laughs> yes yes um, I think there were challenging times mm. Even when the children were younger I used to play um, do shows for like Worthing Operatic mm. and so I'd be teaching during the day mm. and then going off and. Mm. playing driving back late and so you weren't here then. and <laughs> yeah so John was really helpful at mm. the weekends um and the evenings so he sort of stepped he mm. fortunately did the sort of job where it was nine to five and he could be mm. home and at home at weekends so but I yeah. think it was just trying to get the balance yeah and I did try and there were times when I felt I was trying to squeeze too many you know mm. things uh, like with teaching it's not always mm. easy getting yeah. the balance. So in some ways, coming, stepping right out of teaching, mm. it's part of me is like, I don't want to go right back. You know, it's just, mm. Mm, what, what did I really enjoy and what mm. did I not enjoy? Yeah. And think, okay, maybe this is a new season. Mm. So, yeah, I'm just praying now for the right door, you know, mm. I did, um, that if it's, I, I like doing some you know, it's, mm. it's this getting, um, it's when I, I do enjoy teaching when I'm doing it. Mm. Um, but it's just all, sometimes it's all the admin side yeah. that comes with it. I think there's probably a lot of people that can relate to that. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I remember, um, cause I did used to have to do lots of teaching, go around, um, yeah. schools, like at the same time as fitting, playing things in and just exactly. traveling around on buses and things. Yeah. And, there was some point, some points where I just didn't want to get up in the morning, to be honest, and I was yeah. just hating it. And it wasn't the students, like no. they were they were all really nice students. Yeah, it was, it was just all the other stuff that came with it, and yeah. um, and also yeah. also feeling like you're a bad teacher because when you first start teaching as yeah. a a string player, I mean, some people might have had training, but I had no training. Yeah, and I remember the first time I taught a lesson, I realised I just didn't. I had no idea about children. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I think I tried to tell a child how to hold the bow yeah. and they didn't do it, which is not surprising now yeah. I think about yeah. it. And yeah. I was like, I was just thinking, why didn't you do that? I, I didn't say that, but like, <laughs> they just didn't do what I said. And yeah. Yeah. I, I, it, it, I just had no idea how to teach basically. Um, yeah. But there were some points that I just felt like, I'm just so bad, bad at this. I'm just doing an awful job. But I remember one time, mm. um, I I just realised that God can use me, even if even if I am, yeah. which I probably wasn't, but 
even if I was absolutely awful teacher, God can still use that situation. Yeah. <laughs> what would you say to someone who's like in the middle of having to at the moment do lots of things that they don't particularly enjoy to make money and that they they can't at the moment like us just give their teaching up yeah yeah I think just to um know that you know uh to find um pleasure or joy in some in what they're doing you know that Mm. everything has a purpose Mm. for for its time you Mm. know and I always feel that things come to us, that it's not, nothing's an accident, you know, mm. and that everything is used that we can learn from and mm. grow in. And to know, you know, as a Christian, to know God's presence wherever we are, whatever we're doing, and that he'll give us the strength to do what we need to do. Mm. And that all things work together for good. And that there is a purpose in everything. Mm. And even the, the people, you know, so I have known that in actually all the schools I've been at mm. and the situations I've been in have all been very varied mm. and have had their ups and downs, that's for sure. You know, things will change. You know? mm. So if things are difficult, that won't last. Mm. You know, and often in schools, if you have a really difficult pupil, they will move on. <laughs> <laughs> Should we end the podcast there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. You know, but it's seeing every, you know, uh, we we all have challenges, which we, we I, I really know that, you know, and I have experienced that God gives us the tools to deal with. You mm. know? So that, that, yeah, we don't have to be a victim to anything. That, mm. Yeah. Well, we've been talking for quite a long time. Yeah. Um, so... Maybe we should try and finish. But I was wondering yeah. if you have any, I don't know, wh- whatever you want to share. Do you have anything in mind? There is something about, and there's something I value even more so now as I'm getting older, mm-hmm. the value of community and of playing with people that you know. Mm. Um, because when I was younger, it's just like, oh, you just go and play. And then I realised now I found when I moved up to Kent, I was missing certain orchestras, people, you know, where you see the same people and and you catch mm. up with how they are. But it's you realise that the people that you know and have a relationship with over some years, because mm. it, it, uh, on other musicians, to encourage each other and just mm. be, see, you know, and you realise, wow, it's been quite a long time. So even like, you know, thinking when I first met, met you, thinking mm. that's, that was how many, nine years ago. Mm. So that, uh, yeah. um, but that's quite special, you know, think, you, you're looking back at the journey, you know, some of the mm. experiences we had with uh, mm. Adoramus and, and Asaph mm. and the, the relationships that, that you, the people that you meet along the way. I have found, I've kept in touch with like musicians, Christian Fellowship for that, you know, mm. or Musicians Network now. Mm. Um, I have, I love just connecting people and and um yeah and yeah I think that's really important isn't it just connecting with people that are if you're a Christian and a musician connecting with Christian musicians is yes really valuable I think yeah yes no it does a lot of my best friends are yeah both Christian and musicians because you just understand each other don't you and I think so Mm. Yeah. yeah 
Yeah. Well, thanks for talking to me. Very well. <laughs> um, I think it's been really encouraging and there's loads of really, like, gems of information oh. <laughs> and wisdom that um, people will get from it. So, oh. thank you.